This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. Welcome everybody. I am thrilled to introduce you to my next Inspiring Stories guest, Professor Alexandra Knight. So Alex is a Chartered Engineer, Fellow of the Institution of Mechanical Engineers and Fellow of Women's Engineering Society. After a career of over 15 years in industry working in engineering, consultancy and innovation, she founded STEMazing, a social enterprise dedicated to inspiring and inclusion in STEM. So in this episode, we talk about the barriers Alex faced as a woman in engineering and leadership, which made her acutely aware of the need for role models, how she activated her vision for STEMazing, and Alex's rallying call for STEM women to join the mission too. I can't wait for you to be inspired by Alex. I certainly was. So let's dig in. So welcome, Alex. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, first of all, I would love it if you could tell everybody where you're joining from today and who you are and what you do. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am joining you today from my car in a car park outside a festival called STEM Fest in Newcastle. So this is a fabulous event where it's amazing. We've got a stand here. We've got some of our brilliant, amazing women hosting the stand and they have about a thousand children through the venue each day over three days. So we're going to get to see loads of kids and have lots of fun with our STEM activities. Um, but yeah, a bit about me. So I'm Alex Knight and I'm a chartered engineer um, and I set up Stemazing, which is a not-for-profit social enterprise about four years ago now. Um, and that is all about empowering women in STEM to be more confident, visible role models and get out and engage and inspire our next generation of innovators and problem solvers. I think that is so well said and so succinct. I need to work on my introduction and be as succinct as you. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I really thank you for being here and taking the time out um, to talk to us. But can we kind of go back to the beginning and I always like to hear how, you know, people got into science in the first place, because you're talking about sending role models out there. So who was your role model? How did you get into science? Yeah, so when I was at school, going back to secondary school, um, the, the, the person that opened my eyes to the fact that I might want to do science and then engineering was a stand-in physics teacher at school. So my dad is an engineer. And my dad is what you probably call a traditional engineer in the fact that he has worked his whole career in quite heavy industry, like worked on pumps and power stations and big turbines and things. And I just thought, well, that is not for me. I do not want to do that. Um, and that's what I thought an engineer was. So, but a physics teacher said to me, engineering opens doors. And that kind of sparked a thought in my mind that, okay, so I can do different things with a grounding in engineering. And I chose to study maths, physics and chemistry at A-levels. And then I actually applied for one degree in astrophysics and another degree in aerospace engineering. 
I got on the aerospace engineering one and the rest is history. I became an engineer, worked in engineering for nearly 18 years and then set up Stamazing. And engineering is quite what I would say a male dominated field. Is that something mm-hmm. that you noticed at the time when you were studying or were you like me completely oblivious until it actually mattered? I very much noticed it at university because so I I was at an all girls school when I did my GCSEs and A levels and I didn't really think about the fact that there would be majority men doing engineering I you know you mentioned about role models and I didn't have a female role model in engineering but that didn't make me think that there aren't any I just never saw anybody that looked like that so I just kind of yeah like kind of off my radar and then at university I quickly noticed in the very first day that this is a lecture theatre full of young men and I was absolutely in the minority and that was quite a shock having come from an all-girls school and I just sat myself down in a row next to a bunch of blokes and literally they were looking at photos, you know, in the olden days where we actually printed out photos, um, looking at photos of an engine block and kind of all like, you know, like purring over these photos of this engine. And I said, trying to like make friends, I said, well, oh, what are you guys looking at? And they were like, like, duh, this is uh, whatever, whatever type of engine. And then he, this guy looked at me and went, this, this is engineering lectures. Like English is down the corridor. You probably want to no. go there. And I said, no, no, I'm, I am meant to be doing engineering, but all the time thinking, am I meant to be here? Like that was my, literally my first experience day one of going into an engineering lecture thinking, okay, maybe I don't belong here. So no, it was absolutely stark to me that there was this massive um, sort of gender um, lack of diversity right from day one. And, I think that kind of so deceded me to thinking like this can't be right like we need to do something about this so and then it just continued to progress after that and throughout my whole career I've been a real champion for diversity in engineering got involved as a volunteer for the Women's Engineering Society quite young in my career and just continue to do more and build on that ever since because it's got to change. It absolutely has. And, you know, for me in chemistry, I went on my first day, but I didn't see things the same, like in the same starkness as you. I'd come from a mixed comprehensive, come to university first, one in our family to come. So it was all just new and exciting. And actually chemistry is quite a, um, in terms of diversity, there's a lot of diversity of people, maybe not in terms of gender though. So I guess I just didn't really notice until the final, it was actually the final year of my PhD. And I'm like looking around going, okay, what what do I do next? And I go, oh, maybe I want to be a part-time professor. Maybe that kind of exists, have a family, be a part-time professor. So I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing in a department of 200, only five of staff are actually women. And of the five, only two have young children and not no one's a part-time professor. And I kind of go, ah, that's the first time I kind of had that realization it was very strange not to notice it until that point completely and when I had my my sort of first proper career job I suppose because my very first job was working at a startup company which was fantastic experience but it was kind of like a bizarre bubble I didn't really feel like it was like a normal career 
my first normal career job, when I looked to the senior leadership team, even middle managers and absolutely anything above that, there were no women. And so then you do start to think, well, where, you know, and I, I wasn't thinking about kids at that time, but like at some point I'm going to want to probably start a family and what happens then? There's just no one to talk to about it. There's just no one showing you what is possible. So it does add that extra sort of mental burden of, well, hold on a sec. Am I going to have to literally create the rules for myself here? How is this going to work? Um, and it's, yeah, it can be daunting. And you're trying to think about all that, at that cognitive load on top of just doing a good job in your day job, living your life. And it's that extra burden that I think we underestimate how much that can mentally put on people in the minority. And I think I'd like to pick up on that, actually. What do you feel are the main impacts then of not having, you know, women as role models in in any context, but particularly in male-dominated contexts? Well, that phrase, you can't be what you can't see, is very true. I don't think it's impossible to be what you can't see. It's just very hard because you have to be the one breaking down the barriers every step of the way, working out what works and what doesn't work for you in your position when you are in the minority and everything that comes with that. So for me, it was not seeing a woman who was in a leadership role or management role at all, thinking, well, how is that even possible for women? Of course, I didn't, I thought like I could do it, but it was just feeling like, am I I don't know am I seen as somehow less capable less competent because I'm a woman and I remember having a conversation with a boss once and I wasn't direct about it and I regret that to this day I was sort of skirting around the issue when I found out that a male colleague of mine got paid more than me and I was actually had a more senior job title than him but he got paid more than me and I sort of skirted around the issue saying how like how much value do I add to the company how do you kind of reward people for the value they add? And he just sort of looked at me really confused and was like, what, what are you talking about? And I then totally backed away from the conversation. But I feel like it was something around me feeling like I needed to prove myself in addition to all the good work I was doing. Somehow that was never good enough to just be accepted worth the value that I was providing the company at my level and I just always felt like even though I was growing in my self-confidence, I wasn't confident enough to really state what I wanted and what I needed to create the life opportunities and career opportunities that I wanted for myself at each step of the way. And I feel like if I hadn't been almost like wading through mud and having to break down barriers in every meeting being the only woman in in projects like on different projects going and talking to clients who were also all men then I feel like maybe that additional bit of energy that I spent dealing with that constantly could have been put into really understanding and knowing how to ask for what I want and need and, and maybe even just feeling like I had somebody that I could look up to and talk to that really understood me and appreciated what I was going through rather than it being almost like we're on a different wavelength or coming from a different planet there was just this lack of empathy, connection, understanding. When you feel like you walk into a room in the morning and everyone's talking about football or something that I'm just not interested in talking about, you just 
feel like you're just on the outskirts constantly and that is overall exhausting so I think there's this real mental burden of being in the minority and not seeing people that look like you or are going through what you feel you're going through and showing you it is possible uh, you know you feel like you have to be the one to make it possible for yourself all the time which you know over many years is exhausting and I think that's exactly it. It's taking up people's valuable energy away from what they could be doing, whereas everybody else is just putting all their energy towards what they want to do without having to go through all the hoops or go through all the emotional stuff that comes with it. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there. But there's also these microaggressions that we're not actually obviously conscious of all the time, but it does wear away at the energy levels. So when was the point that you decided, okay, I'm going to do something about this? It's something that had been slowly growing as an idea in my mind for quite a few years. And as I said, I was volunteering for organisations like the Women's Engineering Society, where I felt like for once I wasn't in the minority in a professional capacity. And that was very supportive and empowering and helped me work through some of my own barriers that I think I'd maybe put up for myself and some self-limiting beliefs in not that we necessarily focused on conversations like that but I recognized similar friends in other women and then sort of could reflect on that and question well am I am I making life harder for myself or does that really exist as a barrier and actually maybe I am creating some of my own problems by not believing in myself 100% so I that space to kind of connect and have discussion and connection with women who were going through a similar thing I found very helpful and empowering um and I continue to support the women's engineering society now I was a trustee on their board for a few years um but what I also love doing was going out and doing STEM outreach in schools, both primary schools and secondary schools and things like Cubs and Brownies as well. And I found like I grew an understanding of like my place in engineering and why I loved the engineering that I was doing and also built my confidence with public engagement, public speaking in those settings. It's really kind of, it stretches you, but it's also a safe space. And so I saw this, like these two sort of voluntary worlds that I was involved in that I felt like I wanted to connect the two up, but I didn't see a way of doing that that already exists. So I thought, well, I'm going to create that and I'm going to create a space that is an additional empowering community for women. And there's lots of them out there, which is fantastic because we need them and create one that is about supporting women to be more confident in themselves and confident as role models and then give them the tools and the connections and the resources they need to go and do really inspiring, engaging sessions with young children and young adults. So, yeah, I I sort of that had been bubbling away in my mind, in my subconscious for quite a while. I'd say probably about five years. And then it was only in 2019 that I thought, right, I'm actually just going to do this thing. I'm going to register the name of this company and then I'll see where it goes. And of course, once you actually start proactively doing something, then it's like a snowball effect. It just grows. It gathers its own momentum. And before I knew it, it was a real thing. Um, and it was, yeah, it feels like it's something that has, 
it obviously had a lot of energy and passion that has come from me but it's grown into something bigger than me and that's what I love about it which shows to me that there is a need for this there are other women out there who like me recognize the fact that we need more visible role models and they want to be that role model that they didn't have and they want to be the change obviously that we need to see so like you, I also started my business. I registered it the 1st of January, 2019. Just, uh, I just don't know. I can't see where I fit. I'm just going to make up my own job, taking all these different strands together. And over time, it's also evolved. So it's now different mm -hmm. to how it was when I first started as well. So mm -hmm. you started with these two strands of, we really need these role models, but we also need this belonging piece. Mm -hmm. everyone coming together as a sacred safe space where we can grow mm -hmm. this community you said you planted those seeds but it's now grown bigger than you so how mm -hmm. has it evolved over the last few years then the springboard I think was when I started to run a program that I called the inspiration academy and this is where I combined some of the work I was doing with women in mainly engineering but in other sectors of STEM as well where I was mentoring and coaching them to help them in whatever stage they were at to kind of level up their confidence and also trying to get them more involved in this amazing kids activities that I was doing this was before uh, COVID when I'd sort of started doing some amazing kids clubs in schools and had all these resources that I was using that I knew worked really well and trying to encourage more women that I knew to roll them out as well but there was a bit of reticence and I know there's lots of barriers things like I don't have enough time you know I don't know how to engage young children I, I don't know what to say to them I, I'm worried that a live activity will go wrong lots of these things coming up like oh no barriers barriers and so I thought well if I create a program that literally steps them through on a very simple but empowering journey to get from there's lots of barriers to it, you're actually just doing it, then hopefully I can get more women to roll out these amazing kids activities. And then as you know, through COVID times and lockdown, and I moved this amazing kids activities to being online delivery, and I realized, well, me as a single person, I can reach hundreds of children doing live STEM activities through using Zoom. Then if we've got hundreds of women reaching hundreds of children, obviously we're going to massively amplify our impact. So that was my main aim. And I created the program that was a four month program, first and foremost, all about supporting and empowering the women to be more confident as visible role models, and then step them through the tools to, to be able to deliver these sessions really effectively in primary schools. And once I did the first one of that, which was totally like an experiment, just totally like, I just test and see how this goes. And the feedback I got from the women saying how much they enjoyed it, how much confidence that they felt they gained from it, that they can take into their day job as well as what they did with the schools. So there were multiple benefits. And I thought, I've just got to keep doing this and keep growing it. And yeah, so I, I feel like that was the point early. That actually took me up till early 2021 was the first time I ran that program. And so I'd kind of been developing it throughout COVID and lockdown. And I was still working in my normal day job at the time. So I was doing that day job. It, like I was working part time there, but I was still working on a normal PAYE salary for that year. 
And then I didn't leave that day job till the back end of 2020. So then 2021 was the rollout of the Inspiration Academy. And yeah, it's just grown from there. So you still kept that overarching vision of amplifying the impact overall. Like, how can I basically do this more? How can I amplify it? Yeah, I really like that. The other bit I was interested in is when you said, okay, and when I put together this program and everybody's confidence levels are increasing and they're happy to be more visible and more vocal, it has knock-on effects, not just for uh, what you're trying to achieve, but for them as an individual. I wondered if you had um, maybe an example of someone who went through that program that then went off and asked for a pay rise or did something else with that. Yeah, I mean, for the very first, numerous examples, the very first one was a woman called Stephanie who went through the first tranche of the Inspiration Academy early 2021, who messaged me afterwards and said, off the back of doing your Inspiration Academy, I put myself forward for this promotion that I've been thinking about for a while, but not had sort of the confidence to go for it. And I just thought, I'm just going to do it, put myself forward. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And she got the job. So that was one of the first bits of feedback that I thought, wow, this is awesome. It's not just about you've inspired all these kids through the program, but you've now benefited yourself in your career and your company's benefited from it as well. And then yeah, I've had numerous ones like women who've um, put themselves forward for awards off the back of doing the program, um, asked for pay rises, absolutely. So there are numerous ways that the women are using that as a springboard of being more visible and realizing like there's nothing selfish about that or self-serving this is actually completely the opposite you're selfish if you don't celebrate and put yourself out there and show other people what an empowered inspiring woman looks like and that is the way that we can all rise together because that is a very um sort of motivating thing I think personally to see a woman who believes in herself and is happy to talk about her strengths, happy to talk about the impact she's made. And if you can then start articulating that, and then you can write it in a a nomination for an award, um, you can start to feel more confident about really owning the success you've had and the impact you make, because you know, yes, it's great if you get an award out of it, but think of the other people you will inspire by having that platform of having that award. That's the that's the thing it's all about. It's always about, well, what impact will that then have whilst it's benefiting me in the process and helping me level up and empower me purely so that ultimately I can have a greater impact and inspire more people in my workplace and absolutely in our communities and in our schools. And once you shift your mindset around that, it's a lot easier, especially, you know, so much stuff around kind of social norms and how we're conditioned to behave as women but if we can shift our mindset and realize that don't shine the spotlight on yourself shine your light out to others and then it changes the whole picture and the context and it's a lot more um I'd say kind of accessible and um able for women to see how they can take those steps to being that person that is out there inspiring others rather than being happy to sit on the sidelines, not say anything in meetings, you know, never put your hand up for a presentation or going to a conference. Like it, we just need to change that. And what I found is just simple step-by-step making it about inspiring others, not about the women for self-serving purposes helps women move into more of that self 
growth and development mindset. Yes, as soon as you say it's for impact and purpose, we get on board when it's for ourselves. It's mm-hmm. a big but no, sometimes. So yeah. I like yeah. the way that you have handled that and got people to own their value. And then they've had some external recognition from that as well. But that's not been the main focus. That's a byproduct of the growth that they've been through. So if someone say one of my clients or somebody listening to this was thinking about um, maybe signing up or doing some work with you how does it work what do we do yeah so we run this inspiration academy which is an online program for women we run it twice a year now so we have a spring summer round and an autumn winter round the spring summer round is March to June and the autumn winter round is September to December And basically any women in STEM, whether you are an engineer, a scientist, a technologist, no no matter what level you're at, if you're an undergrad through to experienced woman in STEM, or if you don't actually have STEM qualifications, but you work in a STEM organization, you can still be a STEM role model and we need you. So we open our doors to any women in STEM to apply um, for one of our free places and they then they we have a down selection process and hopefully they get selected and can take part in one of our rounds but because we run it multiple times and hopefully we'll continue to run it and continue to grow it if women are not successful in the first time they apply then they can apply again and you know we're hoping to just roll this out to as many women as we can both in the UK and internationally because it's online so country geography is not a barrier the only barrier is if you don't have an internet connection at the moment but you know we are hopefully rolling this out as far and wide as possible and women can go onto our website and find our inspiration academy page and apply that way amazing so if they sign up and get selected and then they go on the course what happens next then so we have a four-month program the first month is all about the women so it's all about them as role models and being more confident with owning that title of role model what that means why it's so important and like you said about the purposing really tapping into that purpose and passion and that we are all on this mission collectively there's a there's a huge power in that very very um sort of empowering and builds a sense of like that almost like we don't have a choice we it's our responsibility to do this for our future and for the future of others so we get that kind of collective motivation and and purpose that we're all kind of pushing in the same direction with some additional hints and tips on skills like how to calm your nerves when you're speaking how to prepare your body and your mind and your breath before you go and do public engagement um, some confidence on camera skills. A lot of our amazing kids sessions are still delivered online. And obviously in this day and age, online communication and communication by video and camera is very important. So building those skills with confidence to do with that. That's what we do in month one. And then month two, it's all about the STEM. So all about the amazing kids sessions and we upskill the cohort in a range of Ask Amazing Kids experiments that they can then deliver themselves. And then months three and four, it's all about the delivery. So we match the women up with a primary school that has a high percentage of families on free school meals, either in the UK or if they're 
joining the program from abroad, they can find a school local to them to deliver the sessions to. And then they go and do it. <laughs> so we literally, you know, like they finish the program having upskilled their confidence, upskilled their toolbox of STEM outreach and having delivered between four and six some amazing kids sessions live in a primary school. Uh, we target seven to nine year olds. That's the kind of age range that we try and target. Um, and they've actually done it and proved to themselves, yes, okay, you're stepping outside your comfort zone. It can be scary. It is scary, but you can absolutely do it. And because you're doing it with other women who are all supporting each other along the way. I mean, it's just magic when you get a group of women together with an aligned mission and purpose, all supporting each other. It just absolutely brings joy to my world to see those conversations happening behind the scenes and the support going on. It's amazing. Oh, I would absolutely agree. Coming together for a common purpose is highly activating and it increases that sense of community and belonging as well. So a couple of points that I just want to pick up on. The first one is that you're specifically targeting schools with a lot of um, you know, social economic challenges so lots of like free school meals are you then tracking the impact of you know the sessions that you're running on those individuals and what they then go on to do how are you kind of following that up so we have impact surveys for both the women and for the schools um, and we do that through the teachers so we ask the teachers a series of questions um, about their perception of STEM their children's perception perception of STEM, um, their awareness of careers in STEM and particularly engineering, because it's engineering that is not talked about at primary school level, um, their gender perceptions around STEM and engineering before and after the programme. So we can see that change in the duration of the programme. As we are now having run for a couple of years and engaging the same schools multiple times, and as we can sort of see that longer term impact, what we don't do is track the children throughout their educational journey as yet. Like as we get more resources, it's amazing, then absolutely I wanna do that. And I know that's super important. What we're doing at the moment is looking at the impact that the program has and feedback on how we can improve the program for the schools to make it as effective for the teachers and effective for the children and as sort of easy and effective for the women as well as possible. And then we can see kind of the change throughout the duration of the program for the women and for the children and for the teachers as well, which is important. And then as we grow, like I said, and we can get more, hopefully, funding from our partners. And we do already have a data analyst, who uh, Jesha, who works for me, who's amazing. But there's only so much she can do as one person and as much as I can do as one person. So talking about the future that's definitely where we want to go because it is all about the impact and we want to see what effect having those female role models has on gender diversity choices for stem you know subjects when they go into schools later but we already know that stem interventions do make a big difference to do with stem choices at secondary school but leaving it that late to talk about female role models has it is too late basically you've already got some career self-limiting decisions that have been made by young people by the age of 10 so we already know from lots of research showing this that children as young as three to five year olds already have less support for counter-stereotypical stem 
job choices like a girl wanting to be an engineer so those are just reinforced over time and that's why we target children as young as possible that we can that can still be independent with our hands-on activities to challenge those gender stereotypes so the seeds of change really young and then there are lots of STEM interventions that, that do happen at secondary school which is great and hopefully the fact that we've challenged those gender stereotypes young will encourage both the girls and the boys to consider STEM for, for them when they get to their subject choices. Yeah, I was going to ask why specifically seven to nine-year-olds, but you've answered that very clearly. <laughs> and I remember when my eldest started school, so he wasn't in the pandemic cohort, that was um, my, my second one. I went into the class and I think there's something special about being a woman a scientist going in and delivering it for all the children in the class. But I think there's something really special about being that role model. Um, and I felt it and yeah. I know that they will have benefited from it too. Um, yeah, probably a little bit different because I was doing chemistry experiments, but all good. <laughs> we do do one chemistry experiment actually where we're making lava lamps. Because, you know, lava lamps, funny. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Because it's it's important to talk about how what they're learning at school now at that young age is science and maths and how we can relate an understanding of that to real world careers. So we actually do it as part of understanding density and different materials and how, you know, you've got the gas bubbles of the carbon dioxide rising up through the water and then the oil and talk about how you've got different layers of even those two liquids. But this is, you know, it's important in real world when you look at materials, how you design things to work well in different substances like water or air. And so connecting, I think experiments like that are fantastic because they're super fun, they're brilliant. And having a connection to this fun stuff that we've been playing with here, this is why it's important in the real world and having an understanding of how it works helps us improve things in the real world. And people in STEM do that, that's their job. <laughs> and you know, leave them with that inspiring message that this fun we've had today that's what you get to do in the real world if you continue with STEM I think having heard your explanation I think I could have done with your like note cards on how to explain what the lava lamp <laughs> was about because my explanation was um a little bit more simple than that <laughs> but no simple is good fun. we like simple <laughs> that sounds really good so we've had a little bit of chat about what's going on right now, where it's all heading. So I have a couple of questions for you before we finish. The first one is about advice. So as role models, it's really great to get pieces of advice, but there's often pieces of advice we wished we'd had, but we didn't have at various different points in our career. So I want you to think about one of those now. Like go back to the timeline of your history of your life so far and landing at a point where you really could have done with a piece of advice, what was the moment in time and what would you have said to yourself back then? I can remember having a number of opportunities when I was, say, in my early 20s, where I had a choice to do something a bit scary or stay safe. And I chose to stay safe in my comfort zone. I didn't have any role models at that point showing me that the only way we grow as human beings is to be outside of our comfort zone. And that can be a little bit or a lot, depending on what you feel you're able to deal with. But quite often, we're able to deal with a lot more than we think we can. So I played it safe a lot in my comfort zone, really worried about how would other people perceive me? 
what would happen if this didn't work you know I can't possibly accept failure so became a a real performer I would say and people pleaser and perfecter so the three p's there that I wish I'd had a piece of advice of somebody saying to me the best way to improve yourself and grow as the Alex that you want to become is to do things that you find scary and that what's the worst that can happen and actually talk through that and get those fears out in the open and reflect on whether the worst that can happen is worth the risk you know because it is a risk but is that is the not doing it actually the bigger risk and that is the thing that nobody really gave me advice on and it wasn't until I sort of worked out for myself later I thought I wish I'd known this sooner because I I just would have accelerated my self-growth and my self-confidence even more. But as it was, it was a slow, painful process and it took me years. And I think having empowering role models where you see other women or people you can identify with doing the scary things and believing in themselves and bouncing back from stuff that goes wrong and learning from it. That is so empowering just to see people doing that rather than see people shying away from things that are outside their comfort zone. So yeah, that would absolutely be my advice and to others as well is if you feel uncomfortable, like almost physically sick about something, it's probably a sign that you need to give it a go. I think I could have done with you at various different points in my career to tell me that (laughs) as well. But this piece around that you talked about failure, um, I think there's a beautiful Brené Brown quote and I can't quote it exactly, but it's not really just about being open to failure. It's about saying, I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm stepping out of the comfort zone. I know there's going to be failure along the way, but the pathway that I'm taking is so important that I'm all in for the highs, the lows. I'm in for the whole journey and the whole experience. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And And I think one of the things that I've learned is that the milestone thing that you're trying to achieve is actually not where you get the most satisfaction and fulfillment from it is the steps along the way to get there and who you do it with along the way and who you bring along with you along the way that's where you get real fulfillment and I spent a lot of my life being a hyper achiever aiming for the next thing to achieve and tick off my list and now I realize the best way to enjoy my life and thrive in the process is to enjoy every step of the journey and think about it as how can I widen the impact I'm having along the way and bring others along with me rather than me specifically aim for that one thing I think that's absolutely beautiful and I think you highlighted it in my book so thank you for reading my books but it's (laughs) it's not just what you do it's who you are while you're doing it that matters as well it is impact but it is about you because if you are busy stressed all the time that's not the way to achieve and feel you have fulfillment in the things you're achieving it's having the whole thing working for you not just against you I just love it I could ask you about a million more questions but is there (laughs) anything else that you feel that women need to know who are listening to this podcast today I would love any women who are listening to this podcast, whether you're in science, engineering or not, or whether you are in the outskirts of that and and are part of our wider STEM industry, we need you to be the visible role models to all of us right now, but absolutely to the next generation. That next generation needs to see women 
who are diverse in themselves showing them what is possible whilst being authentic along the way like be true to yourself and show your true self that is the most empowering inspiring thing you can do for another human being is just show up and be you but we have to take up space we have to be more visible and vocal and that is in classrooms absolutely but also in our meeting rooms and in our boardrooms and in our conferences and on panels and all those things in the arenas like I'm at today we need to take up space and to do that we have to believe that we are worthy to be seen and heard and that all starts with first of all stop telling yourself you're not stop that negative self-talk and find that community that can help champion and empower you along the way and you can equally empower and champion them and overall I, I feel like there's this wave of of progress for women that we are getting there we are making steps towards it I can feel the energy it's 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 amazing it is definitely growing and the more that we do that, I'm hoping it will be this snowball effect and it will just grow and grow and grow. And we'll get to the point where we don't need to have conversations like this anymore because it is just part of normal everyday life. And we see many, many, many more women in STEM role models. And that is just what life is like. It's just normal. We've got a long way to go before we get there. So every woman listening to this, think about what you can do today, tomorrow, next week, now in the future like immediate short term what can you do to be more visible and vocal because you'll thank yourself for it you will absolutely benefit yourself in the process such a powerful call to action I would say and it feels like I've had a rocket put up my own bottom <laughs> so, thank you Alex thank you so much for being a guest today I've really enjoyed our conversation and encourage everybody to get involved in the amazing thanks Hannah great talking to you Thank you for listening to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. To get further support in your journey, join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.